Diocese of Churches for the Sake of Others is pleased to present the C4SO podcast, a place to celebrate the voices and values of C4SO. C4SO is a national diocese of the Anglican Church in North America, led by Bishop Todd Hunter. You can learn more about us at c4so.org. Hey, everyone. Welcome again to the C4SO podcast. I'm your host, Ben Sternke. I'm here today with Bishop Todd Hunter. Alleluia. Christ is risen. How are you today, Todd? Amen. Christ is risen indeed. I am good <laughs> on this Easter Monday day. Yes. Yes. We have a special episode uh, for you today at the begin right here at the beginning of Eastertide. Um, hearing a kind of a pastoral word from Bishop Todd to orient us, to center us for fruitful ministry. Uh, this Eastertide, which is, if you don't know, 50 days uh, of celebrating the resurrection until Pentecost Sunday on May 23rd. Um, and maybe to set this up, Todd, I, um, I'll just say this as a, as a priest, as a church planter, um, I th- I've been sharing with people, I think I feel more exhausted than I ever have. Yeah. In ministry, um, it, it's it's a year of my body being on high alert, mm-hmm. you know, because of the pandemic and all right. of the exhaustion that that brings. Um, but you know, in addition to that, this new awareness and new um, closeness of you know the history of racial injustice in the USA, it's troubling persistence. There's political unrest. Uh, there's conspiracy theories, um, and trying to lead a church community to be the body of Christ faithfully in the midst of it all. Uh, it's a lot. Um, that's a, what's a wearying sentence even. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, when I put it all together, I was like, yeah. oh, you know what? Gosh, you know, <laughs> just writing that sentence makes me tired. Yeah. yeah I know. Yeah. I've, I've written a few sentences like that this year as well. And they make me tired too, but yeah. you know, keeping it real, as we say, um, I was just saying to Debbie, both last night and the night before, like, I don't know why I'm so tired. Like I mm. got a good night's sleep. I'm yeah. trying to eat right. I'm trying to exercise. I'm doing my spiritual discipline. Like, mm-hmm. like I was just like, felt sort of like bone tired. Yeah. And I think yeah. you're right. I think it's a hidden price that all of us have paid. And even mm. when you're quote, doing everything right. And I don't mean to say I'm doing everything right, but like, even when you're like, just, you know, trying to do right. Yeah. And you're not making any overtly foolish decisions, right? Yeah, you're not and like you're, eating junk food or Yeah, and you're not denying, or, yeah. you know, that you're yeah. tired or whatever, but even like trying to do it right. Um, I yeah. think you're onto something, Ben. I think there's a, I don't know, maybe it's like having a leak in your attic or something and you hmm. just don't know it until the drywall and the ceiling breaks and yeah. the water comes yeah. all flooding down. Yes. Um, yes. Something like that where, um, yeah, it's yeah. just, I think we just have to keep it real and say none of us are super women or super men and that this has been a very unique 15 months in human history. Yeah, and, and none of us certainly... You know, it's it's a cliche even now to say these unprecedented times, but certainly none of us who are alive have ever had to go through anything like this. No, like it's it's novel for all of us. Um, uh, just for every human experience, it's been new and difficult yes. in various ways. Um, but for churches and church leaders, I think it's been a unique uh, experience. You know, yeah. of uh, of hardship, like just like everybody's is, but. Um, so I, I guess, you know, what, what would you want to say to us? Just, you know, put on your bishop hat, yeah. uh, as, as you do, 
Um, and what would you want to say to our diocese about these, you know, realities um, besides, you know, what you just said, which is like, yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm tired yeah. too. You know, like <laughs> yeah. it's normal and it's okay. But what, um, you know, give, give yeah. us a, a message of Easter hope. Yeah. Here. Yeah. I think pivoting um, away or for an, an analogy, maybe we, we could say that we feel like we've been living in a long, holy Saturday. Yeah, where everything seems buried, and yeah. um, this person who's buried was our hope for everything politically, economically, religiously, relationally. Mm-hmm. Um, he was our hope for everything, and yeah, it just feels like we've had 15 months of of Holy Saturday, and uh, they may not um, all go away quickly. But something mm-hmm. I find myself coming back to Ben, and maybe it's because. There's a perfection in me, perfectionism in me that we've talked about before. And also this weird quirky thing where sometimes I can be motivated by what's wrong. Like that was like, especially true when I was a young athlete. Like if I noticed something wrong on a videotape, oh my God, that would get me out of the batting cage for two hours. Like a a videotape of yourself in your swing. You mean like you're you're trying to correct your swing. Yeah. Yeah, Or I would, yeah, yeah. yeah, I would see something with my grip or Mm -hmm what my shoulders or hips or whatever was doing. Right. And so noticing that wrong was a strong motivation right. to go right. do activities that would correct it. And so I guess maybe I'm one of those people who um, can, can easily see and take in what's wrong in the world just by 20 minutes in with my newsfeed in the morning. Yeah. And then um, that can tap into this sort of fixer thing, which then makes mm. the exhaustion we were talking about just, 10 times higher than a normal person who's, mm, uh, who's yeah. not a fixer. Yeah. So I guess I bring myself back to, and what I would want to share is one of my very favorite Eugene Petersonisms, And that is that what God is doing in the world is the most important thing going on in the world. Mm. And you're, we're just never going to pick that up from our newsfeed, <laughs> but, yeah. but we do pick it up from Easter mm. that even on good Friday and Holy Saturday, as, as horrible as they would have been, unspeakably horrible, uh, the most important thing going on actually then was God's intention that underlied all that. So I just find it's much more functional for me as a human being as a, and as a minister to enter the world if I can every day. I think what I just said came from Peterson's book, Practicing Resurrection, but don't hold me to that. <laughs> but it's a great book. And yeah. um, it's a great book to read during Eastertide. Yeah. And and to find a way to just practice, not in a cheesy optimism or a, mm-hmm. you know, sort of cheesy, everything's going to rosy, everything's going to be fine. But even in the midst of darkness or hardship or uncertainty about when this era is going to be over, uh, to learn to notice, you know, what, what Ignatius of Loyola would have called consolation. Yeah. And to notice that in our world, I think, is a strengthening. It's a good Easter tide. It's an appropriate Eastertide message, but I think it's it's strengthening. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, in some ways, this is kind of the flip side of uh, the emphasis that we've had appropriately, I think, during Lent and during Advent, even here on the podcast, um, the emphasis on lament. Yeah. Um, the emphasis, you know, uh, and on those things. And I think yeah. um, part of, it strikes me that part of, uh, we talk a lot about kind of breaking out of this binary where we feel like lament is this thing where we just, we're just lost in despair. Yeah. And then to escape from that badness, we 
we just ignore what's wrong, you right. know, and that, you know, and so we, mm-hmm. we end up kind of vacillating between despair and triumphalism right? rather than really understanding that lament and hope, they really do go together. Um, and so I wonder, I mean, part of what I'm hearing you say is maybe this Easter tide, you know, Lent was a, was a great time for us to focus on lament and say, mm-hmm. what do we need to lament? And this whole year obviously has been, you know, the past, as you said, 15 months has been, um, a lot to lament. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's appropriate for us, to, for us to learn how to do that. But um, maybe Easter is is a season for us to not forget about the stuff that's wrong, but for us to try to bring lament and hope together uh, in a way to say yeah. that there is there is hope in the midst of of lament. Um, and Easter is a is maybe a good time to cultivate some practices where we can begin to look for it and see it. Yeah, I think on a podcast we did together in the last two or three months, I mentioned. Um, how the Psalms were for me the last 15 months, the way of holding together what you're thinking about. Because, you know, so many of the Psalms are written during or with reference to exile. Yeah, that's true. And so I, I, I was thinking uh, a week or so ago that um, I, this little snippet from Psalm 18, I think holds together what you're saying. Um, The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. The Lord is my strength and my defense, and he has become my salvation. Mm. And so like holding that in the midst of trouble, as you say, neither denying the trouble in triumphalism or as Ross says, you know, and in, in the constant celebration, you know, yeah. sort of Christian spirituality as mere celebration, right. but holding together, that Christian spirituality is meant to hold together the truth of reality and this Eastertide hope, mm-hmm. and I get it easier said than done. All of yeah. our temp, all of our temperaments and families of origin and all that would determine how we come to that difficulty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's right at the heart, therefore, of our spiritual formation into Christ likeness, is to learn to deal with reality. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of our listeners have probably heard me talk about uh, Henry Cloud's book. I think it's called Reality, and for mm-hmm. Henry, it's all about having the 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 integrity to deal with reality. And now he wouldn't use these sort of raw terms or the terms we're using of holding reality and hope together. But Henry's just talking about having like the internal um, structural integrity, like a bridge has structural integrity of us having the structural integrity to be present to reality, whatever Mm -hmm. it might be. Mm -hmm. And then I would just add to Henry's thoughts or we would add to Henry's thoughts um, that were there with with a confidence as well. Yeah. So yeah. neither denying the reality through triumphalism, as you say, um, or just ignoring it in sort of a denial, but being present to it with the reality that God is at work in the world. And that's, yes. that's not a throwaway line. Like yeah. that is fundamental to biblical spirituality that God's yes. at work in the world. Hey everybody, it is time once again for the C4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight, where we highlight the specific ministry that we are praying for this week in our Diocesan Cycle of Prayer. And this week we are praying for The Table in Indianapolis, Indiana, which is led by the Reverend Matt Tebby, hmm. the Reverend Spencer Ruark, and me, actually. We co-pastor this church together, so this is kind of a fun week. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt and Spencer are here. They've joined me to talk a little bit about what's happening at The Table right now and how we can pray for them. Matt Spencer, welcome to the C4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight. Thanks, Ben. Yo, 
It's good to be here. Yeah. Good to, uh, good to have you guys. Good to talk to you once again. I talked to you guys a lot, and uh, now we're just talking again. This is fine. Um, Matt, Matt, do you want to share one thing, one thing we're, in, we're encouraged by right now at the table? Yeah, I think uh, COVID time has been hard for us. It's been hard for everyone. I'm positive. Uh, but one of the things we were able to do during Lent was have a class on race and repentance. You know, 2020 was the year of COVID. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, there was an election that happened in 2020 that got some... Mm-hmm. Uh, people uh, paying attention to politics. And then mm-hmm. also I think there was a renewed uh, focus and interest in racial justice. And so we decided to take the opportunity uh, during this season of Lent to ask as a predominantly white church, what is our responsibility to the history of racism uh, mm-hmm. in our country and in our faith, in our um, our inherited faith as particularly practiced in the U.S., Western yeah. sort of American yeah. Christianity. And what does it look like to reckon with that heritage, that legacy, that history? And then also, what would repentance look like? How would we begin, or in some people's case, continue to repent of that? And I was deeply encouraged by the engagement and also the conversations that we had uh, in those classes. Yes. yes, me too. Uh, Spencer, how about one thing that we are feeling right now as a challenge yeah, as uh, as Matt alluded to, the last year of living and pastoring through COVID has been difficult for sure. But one thing that we've noticed is uh, while we were worshiping online for the better part of a year, we were all doing, everybody at our church was doing one thing together on Sunday morning. And now that we have entered a new phase here uh, with the virus uh, in regards to how many people are getting vaccinated, where positivity rate stands, we are able, thankfully, to meet again in person. However, uh, not everybody is comfortable with that at this point in time. Not everybody's vaccinated. Not everybody feels safe enough to meet in person, which is totally reasonable. Uh, we have never pastored through this phase of a pandemic before. And so we're discerning <laughs> in real time what it looks like to be faithful, yeah. what it looks like to take care of people. And so a particular challenge that we're facing is that our church is occupying two separate but related spaces on Sunday morning. We've got folks that are worshiping with us online and we're thankful mm-hmm. for technology and that we can do that. We can still include them. Uh, and then we've got some people that are on the ground in person at the church, uh, which is a little bit strange, but I am thankful that we can all be together. Mm-hmm. And this coming Easter, this Sunday, we are, I guess this past Sunday, when you're listening to this, we are mm-hmm. planning to worship together outside everybody, which I could not be more excited about. It'll be the first time in a while. Yep. Yes. So friends, if you can keep those things in mind as you pray for us, um, we could use some faithfulness, uh, some discernment, um, some patience, um, and just continued uh, energy and wisdom from the Lord as we continue. So Mm -hmm. Matt Spencer, thanks for joining me today. Talk a little bit about what's happening. Yeah. Uh, If you'd like to find out more about The Table or to support our work, check out the link in the show notes. There's something um, that's been so helpful for me here in terms of linking the resurrection with the ascension, right? And then the second coming, right? That all of these things link yeah. together, past, present, and future. I think mm-hmm. 
you know, many of us grew up and maybe many of us still think about the resurrection as this thing, this event that happened in the past that sort of, you know, sort of mysteriously secured some sort of like legal, you know, uh, foundation for our salvation or something like that. But actually the, the, the resurrection, um, you see this, especially in John's gospel, that doesn't have like an, an explicit ascension, but like the resurrection is tied up with the ascension, which means God sent the spirit, which means God's at work in the world presently. Yes. Yeah. And then that's all looking forward to the second coming, which um, I think Emily talked about that in our Advent series, that there's there's content to our hope. It's not yeah. just Pollyanna, right. um, kind of wishful thinking. It, it is an actual belief. Like this is the, the result of believing in the resurrection, the ascension, and the second coming of Christ, as we yeah. say in the Apostles' Creed. Mm-hmm. Like all of that stuff results in hope right. um, when we can look forward to those things. Yeah, and I think it's meant to be a... Um, uh, like a hope that's so deep that it's like hardly noticeable, that it like almost sits mm. in our subconscious. Like mm. when was the last time any of us pressed our brake pedal and hoped it would work? Right. You know, Anxiously. we just, yeah, yeah, yeah we, we just, you know, unless you got assume. something wrong with your brakes, you know, <laughs> you, you, yeah, you, but, yeah, for the most part, right. We're just, we just trust yeah, that this just, is going to happen. Yep, this is exactly. Work. Yeah, exactly. So something like that, mm. I think is uh, meant to sit in our subconscious. Yeah. The other thing I would say, Ben, about this last 15 months, thinking you're thinking about your question of how I've done, is I, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but my guess is I could speak for lots of others, but, you know, I won't. But I, my guess would be I could. I think these last 15 months have driven almost all of us into this sort of thought. I'm not very good at this. Mm-hmm. And that's destabilizing. Yes. Especially if you've been in ministry for a while and you actually were pretty good at it or right. something. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah um, totally. At the, actually, the thought just went through my mind earlier this morning. S- somebody just, a friend, not being mean, uh, questioned something in a manuscript that I'd written. Um, I made a decision this morning that, you know, uh, another bishop didn't agree with. And, you know, it's just one of those mornings where I, I actually, the thought went through my head, like, my God, can I do anything right? Like, I am just not very good at this, you know, yeah, like yeah. life, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm just not very good at it. And something has to counteract that. Yeah. And I think hmm. the quote thing that is meant to counteract that is not a thing. It's a person. It's a it's a lived relationship with the Trinitarian God who scoops up our best words and our inarticulate words mm-hmm. and our best moments of love of our neighbor and enemy and moments in which we couldn't be present to a neighbor or enemy. And it scoops all that up and makes it okay and sort of puts us back down tomorrow and says, now go again, go again kid. You're mm-hmm. my favorite girl or you're my favorite yeah. guy. You go. And something like that childlike imagination, I think, is super important because we have been challenged and I think we're going to continue to be challenged mm-hmm. such that we're going to accuse ourselves and others are going to accuse us. And the enemies are enemies going to accuse us of, um, sorry for the naughty language, but like you guys suck. Yeah. And it's just really hard to do ministry when in your heart you think you suck. Yeah, yeah. Or even if you have a question about yeah. that. Yeah, it does. It drives, it drives me. This has driven, you know, I've had the very same thought is just, and I've told people like, I don't feel like I'm a very good pandemic pastor. <laughs> like, I, like, I don't know. I don't know how to That's stay connected with people. 
You know what I mean? Like all the little things that you used to do before and after worship services to kind of just touch base and connect, none of that's happening. And I feel like do people that even think I care for them anymore? Like I think about them, I pray for them, but like I don't talk to them as much. Yeah, that's a great illustration. Yeah, You know? And so I just don't feel like a good pandemic pastor. And it's driven, I think it's driving us more and more into grace, as you said, which which is this realization of I have to I have to believe that I'm not loved because I'm killing it because yeah. I'm nailing it. Mm-hmm. I'm loved because because I'm loved. God's yeah. just chosen to love me. And mm-hmm. so, you know, uh it's it's all it is all okay. It yeah. is okay. Yeah. It's a, that's a that's been an important word for me. Um maybe maybe Todd to wrap this up. Um what would would you have any practical advice? Because I I know, and it's one thing for us to to talk about this, talk about hope, but for people who are really genuinely struggling to access that hope, mm-hmm. for people who are really really kind of feeling like they're at the end of their rope, um, struggling to believe in hope, um, like, do you have any practical advice for people how to? In your Easter letter to the um, diocese, you mentioned like seek, seeking Him, mm-hmm. um, trusting that you know He'll you know we seek Him, and as we do, we find hope. Like what what practical advice would you give somebody? How how can we seek God uh, in times like these? How do we get in touch with that hope um, if we're really really struggling to to find access to it? If we find ourselves kind of teetering on the edge, maybe. Yeah. Well, I think first because you mentioned it earlier of Emily's. Uh, contribution a few months ago that like hope is a consequential, what am I trying to say? It's, it's a word filled Mm. with concrete livable Mm. meaning. Yeah. And I, again, I think that meaning is mostly personal Mm. meaning God. It's not like a thing or a temperament or, um, something you can get from like, you know, even reading a book from sort of, sort of a guru, you know, on yeah, hope or something. Yeah, yeah. It's really rooted. It's a real, I think it's a very relational thing. Mm-hmm. Again, as uh, Emily said, it's not devoid of content, as you said, like um, Ascension and the Eschaton, yeah. you know, there's obviously content there. But the second thing I think of Ben is something that Dallas Willard frequently said, and I'm not going to be able to think of it in his exact words, but Basically, Dallas would say that there's nothing more consequential about us, nothing more determinative than what we actually believe about God. Not what we think we should believe about him, not what we ought, you know, we think we ought to believe about him, but that which we actually think about God is um, the thing that actually guides um, our intuitive, instinctual reactions to the world. And so I try to cultivate this kind of stuff. I, I, I wrote it in that letter you were talking about, um, and it just came to me kind of naturally because I, I do try to cultivate this kind of God consciousness that I sometimes feel lost, but mm-hmm. God isn't. And yeah. I'm frequently stumped, but God isn't. Yeah. And like you said, I often feel muddled, mm-hmm. but God's not. Um, I'm worried sometimes, but like God knows he's got this and I'm anxious, but God's actually confident in himself. And Mm. I feel drawn to overactivity, you know, as a reaction, but God is settled Hmm. and I feel thrown off, 
but God's like really true within himself. I love that thought. Mm. Maybe it's because I have such a hard time being true to my best ideals, Mm. but like God is true within himself. That's just such Mm. a lovely, powerful thought to me, like a grounding thought. Yeah. And you know, I fear uncertain outcomes, um, but God, his omnipotence intact is poised. And I love that thought too, this Trinitarian God who is poised and gracious and completely competent love. And so my first act, my first sense of self-consciously what it means to be human is to be in a relationship with that God. And that that the kind of hope we're looking for, the kind of assurance that the the Eastertide church calendar Mm -hmm. suggests to us every year um, is found in, in that relationship. And so hmm. it actually is the number one thing that I try to cultivate in my life. I, yeah. like you, I want to be a good pastor. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I want to be a good teacher or author or whatever I, I might be doing on a given day. But that goodness for me in my imagination is no longer located um, mostly in me or in my work, but it's located in my relationship with God which then hopefully his goodness can flow through me in my work. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I hear you saying that, you know, don't like, if you feel like you're far away from hope, don't aim at hope in a sense. Like don't aim at trying to feel better or feel different. Or to manufacture it, yeah. Yeah, or to drum Mm -hmm. it up from within yourself. You know, don't don't just watch a bunch of comedies and hope you feel happy afterwards. Yeah. Um, but aim at Jesus, like the source mm-hmm. of our hope is Jesus. Um, and so it's not it's not going to be rooted in circumstances changing or the pandemic ending at a certain point or us being able to worship again at this point. Like that's not where our hope is rooted. Yeah. Our hope is rooted in something that has already happened, yes. which is the resurrection and the mm-hmm. ascension. And then, you know, something that will happen, which is, you know, the second coming. So so just bringing to, and the other thing I hear you saying, so it's, it's rooted in Jesus, not in an event uh, that may or may not happen. Um, and so one of the practical things that we can do is just to bring our reality to Jesus, mm. just whatever's yeah. going on, whatever is actually there. And this gets back mm-hmm. to how you were talking about praying the Psalms. Like the Psalms are full yeah. of bringing God the ugliest parts of ourselves, right. the, the, the most scary parts of ourselves. We just bring those to God, trusting that God can handle this. Mm-hmm. And actually, whatever the way forward is, it's got to be, it's got to be with me bringing myself, uh, however I feel, whatever's going on to God, trusting that, like, this is the way forward. I don't know what it looks like, but so aim at, aim at Jesus and just bring him who you are rather yeah. than hope for, hope for the best or, you know, yeah. try to change how you feel. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Yep. Yeah. That's really good. Well, that's really helpful. Um, I hope that's helpful for you, dear listeners, um, as you progress into Eastertide. You know, it's a season of hope and joy. Celebration of Amen. the resurrection, but you know, there's we still got to wear masks, and you know, there's still a pandemic, Amen. and there's still stuff you know uh, happening out there. So um, I I hope that we can uh, engage um, faithfully in the midst of that tension. Any uh, any final words for everyone as we embark on Easter tide here, Bishop Todd? Yeah, you know, I'm glad you just said what you said, Ben, because I was thinking this morning driving to work, and then I forgot to say it. Um, I can't remember how much work we've done on the podcast uh, with Esau's book, um, Reading While Black. Yeah. Um, lots of it I loved, but the probably the number one thing that's, that I have taken away from his book 
is the numerous times, I don't know how many, but let's just say five or six times in the book he talks about, but if the resurrection's true. Mm. You know how he'd go Mm -hmm. pages and pages about Mm -hmm. sort of black problems and then, but if the resurrection is true. And then pages and pages on, you know, politics or something, but if the resurrection is true. Mm. And that just so stuck out to me because, you know, Mm. the subtitle of his book is, um, shoot, um, Adventures in Hope or something like that. Um, I, I don't remember. I know, just know that hope is in the subtitle. African-American biblical interpretation as an exercise in hope. Yeah. Yep. And for Esau, that's not like a sociological hope or a political yeah. hope fundamentally. Yes. It was it was a hope in the resurrection. And 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 in the moments when I read that, I, I thought of him uh, expressing... Um, you know, kind of feelings for not the whole black community, but you know what I mean? Sort of the wider black hope. I was just so impressed with that spirituality mm. and exercise yeah. in hope yes. and that hope in the resurrection. And so, yeah, yeah. I, I carry that with me this Easter. Yeah. And maybe that's a good book for folks to read during Eastertide. Um, if you need an exercise in hope, uh, yeah. Esau might, it might be really helpful uh, for yeah. you there. So, well, lovely. Um, I would uh, recommend to our listeners, if you haven't listened to our Advent and Lent series, um, that might be another good exercise, ironically, during Eastertide, um, just because I, I remember we were talking about lament, but <laughs> we, we talked about hope, you know, uh, quite a bit in Advent as well. And so I think there's a linkage here that, um, that might be really helpful for folks. So I'd recommend you do that. I'll put, um, you just have to go back in our podcast series, but I'll, I'll put links to those in the show notes. Um, and just a little preview, throughout Eastertide, we're going to feature a variety of interviews with um, some authors uh, like within our diocese, some church planters, some pastors, some leaders in C4SO, um, perhaps doing a series on um, kind of what it looks like to restart or replant your church um, after the pandemic or in this, in this season. That's kind of how our... <laughs> That's how our church feels right now. It feels like, oh, this just feels like four years ago. Yeah, it's like um, we're all church planners now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, maybe some interviews with people, pastors of just various sized churches, to to try to uh, see what we're see what we're up to there. Um, and so hopefully to give a picture of how God's mission is going forward uh, in our diocese right now. So stay tuned. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, give us a rating. I hear that helps people um, find us. And it helps others find the show. Um, and, you know, maybe tell others in your congregation about it. Um, we want the podcast to be a, a way for our diocese to feel more deeply connected um, because we're all across the United States. And so hopefully this is uh, doing that and uh, we want it to do that even more. So, Blessed Easter tide to you, Ben. Yes, you as well, Todd. And uh, we'll talk again soon. All right. See you soon. Peace, everybody. Bye-bye. again for listening to this episode of the C4SO podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. Email us your thoughts and suggestions at connect at c4so.org.